Welcome to Sprints and Milestones, a podcast where Brett Harnett and Greg Story share war stories, tips, tactics, and anecdotes on navigating the sometimes rough waters of getting digital projects done. If you're leading projects and want some help and reassurance that you're doing the right things, you've downloaded the right podcast. Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by Team Gantt, a company I've been lucky enough to collaborate with for some time now. Team Gantt is an online project management platform that helps you to create intuitive and beautiful project plans. For more information and a free account, visit teamgantt.com. On with the show. On the last episode, we talked about how digital project managers handle chaos. On this episode, we're going to talk about the next principle, which is we are multilingual communicators. I'm going to read an excerpt from the book to give you a sense for what this one means. We speak to management, finance, legal, IT, marketing, UX, design, code, content strategy, and more across a wide variety of industries and verticals. We have a broad range of skills and knowledge and are confident in linking up different perspectives from different specialties using our base communication skills. We work hard to understand the motivations of our teams, stakeholders, and users. We translate tech speak to the uninitiated, discuss design without imposing an opinion, and drive conversations to important decisions that will guide our projects to success. So that's kind of what I mean by multilingual communicators. We do a lot. We have to translate from one person to the next in a way that is not overly technical, not overly design focused, but really is focused on project goals and goals of completing a project and making sure that people are communicating. So Greg, I know that you've been in situations where you've been a multilingual communicator. Can you share a story with us? Oh, I I have many. (laughs) And I'd like to also point out, too, it just occurred to me, acronyms. Oh, gosh. Uh, So not only do you have to understand, you know, marketing speak, compliance speak, legal, tech, all that kind of stuff, but uh, especially working for larger companies, there's going to be a lot of acronyms used and uh, you, you gotta you have to understand what they are, otherwise you're not part of the team, right? Yeah, and you have to stop people and ask them what they mean if you don't understand what they are. I've been in yeah. projects where everything is an acronym with an organization, and I've made like base camp posts that are dictionaries of client terms, just so that people can not have to like interrupt all the time, um, but at least have <laughs> some kind of level of like baseline information. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, so okay, so stories about multilingual communicators. Uh, I could think of a real peach of a project in particular (laughs) where we were, um, my company at the time was, I want to say 10, 10 folks. And I hired some contractors to, to help us complete, you know, this, this project. It was larger than anything we'd ever worked on. Uh, like I said, we were a company of 10. The client was a company of, I want to say, uh, I think it was like 20 to 30,000. Just wow. you know, big, mm-hmm. and uh, at kickoff, you know, kind of the first warning of of uh, how difficult this was going to be and how many languages we were going to have to speak. At kickoff, they brought fifty stakeholders. So you know, and, and some of that was every across the entire business and and lines of business. There were representatives there to ensure that they all had some kind of understanding as to the work we, that we were going to do. And, and at that kickoff, we then had to kind of reprioritize uh, who we needed to speak to. 
you know, so we even threw in an extra round of research just to, once we got to see some of these folks and talk to them, we immediately knew that, that we needed to know more, right? We needed to know what's important to compliance and how they talk about things, what's important to marketing and how they talk about things, learn their acronyms. And we, uh, as I recall, we spent two full days speaking to these people and taking notes about what's, uh, you know, what's their language uh, and, and what's important. And, you know, so then at that point, we're, you, you become kind of the, the keeper of all that knowledge, right? So even though we were the outsider coming in, there were people who, you know, within the company weren't, weren't speaking to the folks to the left or the right. You know, so uh, just because uh, all these folks worked for our client or worked, you know, for the company didn't mean that they were even communicating, you know, back and forth. And so we became kind of that connector. And uh, because of that, we had to we had to know how to speak all of those different languages. Right. And which just makes it more complicated. It's a lot more work. Um, and I think, too. Once you've been able to demonstrate that you know how to speak all these different languages, I think the the kind of maybe unwritten expectation is that well now that you know us, you know it's up to you to make sure that nothing goes wrong, right? Which I you know how many times have you been put in that situation, right? Where well you're the contractor, you know you're the ones coming from the outside. You you have the the different perspective, the new perspective the non-cynical perspective. So, uh, you know, the companies look to the outsider and oftentimes look to the person running the project to um, understand everybody. Right. Right. And, and kind of read minds. And so the, the more, you know, effort that you put into getting to know all these folks and, and knowing not just, not just what they say and, and how they speak, but even, When's the best time, you know, to reach these folks versus those folks? And the larger the company, the larger the the client, you know, whatever the team that you're working on, the more chaotic that gets. Uh, you know, it's the, the the more you're you're having to manage, right? Yeah, I even think the scarier part of that is they start to expect you to be the one to align them because yes. you know you're the one who's hearing all of the different perspectives, and you can point out all of those different di- different sort of perspectives and disparate conversations. But they expect you to to be the one to say this is how you're going to align around it, which is really tough. And there are ways of doing it. And and you know I know I've been in situations with you where where we have done that. But mm-hmm. to me that it's fun, but it's also kind of the the scary part of things because you never know as the outsider that that you're doing the right thing for an organization or by them. You know, right? You you understand how to communicate. You understand the language, but. You don't necessarily understand, well, there's always unsaid, unwritten expectations, always. But to your point, you, you don't know what the priorities are in the business. You don't know what the history is. And, and you kind of look back at the cross at the table and say, you know, are, are you kidding? You want me to make a decision on, on something like this or, or right. help, help guide you? Because, you know, I'm, I'm here for a project. I'm not here to, to run the business. Right. And, you know, to your point, it'd be like the United Nations looking to an interpreter and saying, please fix the world. <laughs> oh, we need that right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, um, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. And unfortunately, 
there's there's no way to skirt around it. You just have to dive in and likely keep keep going, right? Yeah. Dive deeper until until uh, you're able to you know align some folks and I think be able to you know speak their their speak, which then affords you a certain amount of trust. You probably just don't want too much trust, right? right? Because the more you the more you trust you get, the the more responsibility they're going to put on you. Right. Like the higher the expectation goes. Yeah. I think for me too, you know, even as a consultant now, um, you know, my clients are often internal teams and agencies and I'll do a lot of fact finding and, and interviews to understand what challenges are. And then, you know, four weeks passes after I've spoken to everyone and clients and then come back to the table and say, these are the, the, the challenges you're experiencing. And then I find out about another set of conversations where people are already trying to make changes to fix those things. Um, and I think that that happens so often. Right. And um, it, you kind of just have to you just have to go with it and, and know like kind of what your goals are and what you kind of can fix and change and address and and what you can't. But I think what I'm a little more interested in is in those situations, in the story that you were talking about, you know, with a a large corporate entity, um, I imagine lots of suits at a table with, you know, very stern faces and a design agency coming in, all smiles and and sticky notes, um, (laughs) ready to do exercises and have some fun. You know, like you see things going in a wrong direction. You want to interject to get people back on the right track or to even try to complete or, or kind of some tasks or even align them. But as an outsider, like how do you interject? Like how do you make sure that you have that seat at the table and that voice that, that they all trust? Well, yeah, that's probably one of the more difficult aspects of managing a project and, you know, to some degree even and managing people. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's, I have learned many tough lessons. I want to point out, I've learned many tough lessons by not speaking up, you know, by, by not interjecting. And in the past, uh, I I only got to that point when uh, it felt like all hope was lost, right? The uh, ship is taken on water, but everybody's still playing shuffleboard. And, uh, you know, after a while, you just, you got to step forward and say something. In the case of that particular client, what also made it more difficult is even though, you know, we, they entrusted us to come into their house and, and help them fix some things, help them create some new experiences. You know, they're, they're still a large, very large company, you know, multi-billion dollar company compared to my, you know, somewhat small, a uh, couple of million dollar a year company. And, uh, you know, even though I may have had the title of president or principal or whatever it was back then, that doesn't mean that I'm on the same uh, kind of like level or, or playing field uh, as even the you know VP of marketing or, or uh, associate VP or, you know. So when that, that also just even makes it for me anyway, even more unnerving is kind of feeling that gap of um, how to put it, the, the gap of of the the level of you know where uh, the people that I had to interact with were professionally to kind of where I I was within uh, my company. Yeah, I think that's a really 
like human aspect of this, this job and the conversation that we're having is it's really easy to feel inferior when mm-hmm. you're working with clients, right? Like, Oh, the powerful people are coming into the room. You know, <laughs> you kind of get like nervous, but, uh, and I think for a PM, it's, it's even more real. Like that feeling is very real because in many cases, you know, you think about PMs in organizations and agencies, um, a lot of times they're viewed as the, the low man on the totem pole. Um, and then, you know, put them in a room with a lot of um, sort of like C-level executives, people who are powerful in organizations. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, you start to feel like, well, I know all of this information, but when is the right thing or time for me to speak up about this thing and make sure that, you know, people understand that I have a voice here and that I'm kind of leading this thing, um, you know, and I, I think it's it's hard to kind of set the expectation or build your reputation quickly with it with a team like that. Um, have yeah. you ever been in situations where you've kind of had to deal with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I want to go back to something you said about, you know, feeling like the low man on the totem pole and mm-hmm. you feel like you are you're outclassed. Right. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, it's. um it, I imagine it's very much like being in a fight and, and you're in a different weight class, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at the same time, while people may look at you as, well, you're the project manager, they're also putting a huge amount of trust in that position that you're the one who's going to make sure that this ships on time, right? And that we are making the right thing. And it's a lot of pressure that's put on on the project uh, manager, the the project leader, because to some degree, I, I can tell you from sitting on both sides of the table, you know, I, I even when when I had my own project manager, you know, I would kind of chill out a little bit, you know, just think, okay, I don't have to worry about this as much because that person's got it, right? Right. That person will tell us no matter what that you know something is wrong or we need to stop and and reassess or or whatever and but but you know being in that position that's not always easy to speak up or to raise your hand because you it's that that human feeling of you know this better be important if i if i'm going to make this move i better have something worthwhile to say right otherwise i'm going to get crushed and if i get crushed that these people will never listen to me again which is also very real right mm-hmm. um i've had project managers who who didn't have a problem speaking up per se but they also didn't have something worthwhile to contribute every time right you know? and so in that situation a lot of, uh, I would say, trust and respect was lost with uh, amongst our clients and, and our stakeholders, just because uh, you, you know they they knew that okay, here they are speaking again. Is this time is it going to be actually you know are they saying something worthwhile? Are they actually contributing to the to the project? Right. I think part of that too is setting a solid expectation for what a project manager does on a project. So whether you're working in an agency or, or in a, a large corporate team, you know, what is the value of having that person at the table? What do they do and how can they help the rest of the team? Um, I think that helps to set the expectation and puts the, the mind of the project manager at ease a bit, kind of boosts them up to know that everyone at the table understands why they're there. And I think, honestly, that is kind of 
part of the problem with project management in our industry is that not everyone understands the purpose of the PM and some people see them getting in the way. So I think that 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 kind of plays a little bit into that conversation. Like if I'm entering that situation where I'm in a meeting with 50 suits and I know that they understand why I'm there and the, the job that I'm there to do, then I'm feeling more confident about interjecting. Mm-hmm. Let's talk for a minute though about junior, being a junior PM. Um, I know that I've been there, you know, early in my career, being the more junior person in the room um, can certainly be intimidating. So what are the, the types of things that you might recommend a more junior person do to assert themselves in that kind of situation to make sure their points are made? So one, even if you're junior, you know, because I want to go back to that situation where, you know, here I am owner of my own company, but I'm having to deal with C-suite people. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, even though I'd been in the business uh, at that point about 20 years, I, I felt like I had just gotten out of college, right? And so uh, for me, when you say junior, I, I don't take that to mean just somebody who might be younger, right? Um, but someone who, and even maybe someone who's not even new to project management. Sometimes I think if the if you perceive that gap between, uh, you know, like levels of, you know, where you are in your career, uh, you, you can feel that way. Um, so I think that, you know, being a good PM, you got to keep your eyes wide and, and going back to where we kicked off this, this, uh, episode, you got to learn the language as quickly as possible, because once you do that, you will start to pick up inconsistencies between people in, in the room, right? Yes. You'll have one guy say one thing and a guy or a person across the room agree but if you know, there, how many times have you been in a situation where you know these two people are talking to each other, and it seems like they're having a productive conversation? It seems like they're aligning, mm-hmm. but you know because of the language that's being used that these people are passing each other like ships in the night. You know, just um, they're just talking past each other. And so, one, I think when when you're a junior, when you you know, feel like you're um, you're you're not empowered as as much as you want to. One is I think you just need to try to get that situational awareness, right? Mm-hmm. That enables you to know like this is this is not a productive conversation. Or I've had two stakeholders just agree to deliver the same thing. Or even worse, I had two stakeholders agree to deliver just the exact opposite, you know. And uh, when you just you have to speak up, I have been in situations very it felt very scary to even clear my throat, you know, because I did not want attention uh, put back on me. But um, that's that's your role. You know, it's kind of kind of what you signed up for. And I think you just have to put your foot forward and know, well, have an understanding likely no one's going to. You know, you're you're not going to be killed in the line of duty. <laughs> Hopefully not. Right? Um, no one's going to uh, walk across the room and slap you upside the head. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like it, right? It feels like, oh, this is going to be perilous. But, you know, I think that the worst that can happen is someone can say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, which, again, goes back to the subject that we're talking about today, which is you, you got to know their language so that you can come back to them and kind of retort and say, you know, listen, this person over here said this, and this person over here said the opposite, right? Right. And I've been in those situations enough times to know that miscommunication like that 
it happens a lot. It's usually the PM who catches that happening. And if you don't speak up, you know, what's what happens? The, the yeah. project starts going off off track, whether that's uh, wrong deliverables and, and worse. Sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of times you'll have stakeholders who are checking their email while you're trying to present a thing, <laughs> and they'll just nod and say, yes, yes, good, yes. And then you think you nailed it, and then two days later you get a terse email saying, hey, I just had time to review this stuff, right, the very thing that you were presenting them in the first place, and we're going in the wrong direction. The worst. <laughs> Yeah. Seriously, the worst. It's so obnoxious, and that people do that, and it happens too often. Yeah, and so that you know, all this kind of boils down to the project manager is the undeputized uh, enforcer of accountability. Yes, that's right? true. Yeah, and it's it's about knowing that role and knowing that as a part of that role, you are there to be the enforcer, no matter kind of what level you're in or, or what levels of people that you're working with. And that's a really good segue into the next episode, which is going to focus on how project managers have to be lovable hard asses. So the people who <laughs> are liked and respected, and I have lots of thoughts on that. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that in our next episode. But this has been a great conversation. I think we could probably go all day, but I think we kind of need to end it there. So thanks for your story today. Yeah. So that's a good segue into our next episode, uh, which is going to focus on how digital project managers have to be lovable hard asses. <laughs> I love that title. Um, those are the people who are liked and respected, and it's hard to get to that point. To read a little bit more about uh, what we discussed today, check out chapter seven of the book. It's called Communicate Like a Pro, and it touches on how you can earn trust through communications, um, setting expectations on how you'll communicate with teams and clients, collaboration, a little bit about body language, and there's some quick, simple tactics to communicate well on projects um, because it's not always what you do, but how you do it. And you have to remember that communicating consistently is important when you are the lead of a team. Oh, man, this, this is such a, it's so important. I guess it's probably my favorite chapter. Awesome. It, yeah, if I could double down on on anything, and especially as it applies to everyone on a team, doesn't matter what you're doing, Chapter 7 is for everybody. Great. All right, that's all we have for, for this episode. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. You sprinted to the end of this episode. Milestone complete. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for more resources on digital project management, check out Project Management for Humans by Brett Harnick, which is available on Amazon.com or through Rosenfeld Media. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and check out our show notes and more at sprintsandmilestones.com.